Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Wherever in the world you might be, I am Nicole BZ, the creator and creative behind this podcast, You Know Everything. This is one of our last Quantum Business Book Club. club Quantum Business Book Club episodes in this format. We are going to be moving these to live and interactive in the Discord container. Link will be in show notes. We are currently voting on 2023's books. So please hop in there. It is absolutely free for the now to join. And you can help us pick what books we're going to be doing. So we will be opening this up, having live discussions. It will be the similar format in the sense that I summarize the book. So you don't even have to do the reading. I'm doing the heavy lifting for you. And then we just talk about it. So I have been exploring big ideas for big dreams. I toss around the very best in business strategy and the powerful paradigms and perspectives that push projects from possibility to powering through. I am a new world business builder, a 21st century CEO coach, a founder and investor, having started, saved, or shuttered over 40 businesses, including three projects just this year. This is my art. This podcast is the synergy of my ideas with genius, time, and time traveling to sit with authors and leaders to leave a legacy of how to and why the fuck not, because business means taking your dreams seriously. The Quantum Business Book Club, please go and listen to the very first episode if you're curious but it is a way for me to actually time travel. I get to sit across the table from the people who have inspired me, challenged me, and shown me things that I never knew were possible. We're going to do some of that today. This is the last episode of the year for the You Know Everything podcast, but also the last episode of the Quantum Business Book Club as we know it. And I wanted to save the best for last. As per usual, I bit off way more than I can chew with this episode. So It's going to be a little bit different in the sense that I'm not going to get too into the authors. I'm not even going to get too into the context of these books. I'm just going to take you through them because, my friend, they are woo AF. (laughs) And as someone who spends almost all of their time thinking about and talking about money, because it has been the most expected metric for success in business, these books challenged me in a way that I have never experienced before. So please grab your journal, grab a pen grab a piece of paper, whatever you need. And I would say, write this down. If you're listening to this in a car, that's totally fine. Please just pay attention to whatever it is that you're doing, but come back and, you know, put me on fast forward. I've heard that I I go pretty slow, so it's not hard to just two X the speed because there's going to be, these are the whole point of this is some real talking points and thinking points and challenge like pressure points around money. So I I combined two books. I don't know why. Actually, I didn't know why. I thought I'll do these two books. And then as I got through the first one and went back into the second, literally the last line of the first book is the title of the second book. And I was like, there we go. So we'll get to that in a minute. But the books I'm referring to are Happy Pocket Full of Money and Love Money, Money Loves You. So the first book is written by somebody who I don't know if they've got the qualifications to talk about money, but the again, the discussion points and the way that they challenge you to up-level your thinking, to challenge your paradigms, your perspectives, to push through your existing challenge, I've found second to none. I also very much appreciate the order in which the author goes through everything. And like I said, then the author ends with the last line, which is love money, money loves you, which is again, the title of the next book. 
the second book that we're talking about, Love Money, Money Loves You, was written 40 years ago. The author has gone on to create an entire course, an entire consulting group, live weekly meetups. It's become a whole movement in and of itself. And again, just a really fascinating way of thinking about and working with money. The first book really touches on the energy of money. And if you think about money as currency, I think this makes a lot of sense. In the set, like in the sense, <laughs> no pun intended, that like currency literally refers to the flow of anything. Current is something measurable in the movement of any mass, right? And it, it's never gone unnoticed to me that we refer to the flow of money as currency. And when we can tap into this true belief and knowing that that current is continually and forever flowing, and if the universe is forever and always expanding, why wouldn't that apply to anything within the universe, not just ourselves, but also our financial situation or our, our ability to generate currency? So I am going to summarize these books a little bit differently, only because it's not so much what these books are about, but how these books challenge the way that you think about money. And I think this is just a fantastic way of ending the calendar year, the Gregorian year, moving into the next phase. Wherever you are in the world, this is kind of a wonky time in terms of productivity, getting shit done. Everybody's a little bit checked out, whether you're at the height of summer in the Southern Hemisphere, your kids are on school holidays, you're celebrating one of the variety of religious celebrations that tend to occur this year, or you're in the Northern Hemisphere and it's the shortest days and your kids are also on school holiday or people are celebrating and it just... To me, this is an amazing time to think through what worked this year, what didn't work, and why. So with that, I'm going to take you through Happy Pocket Full of Money's thought prompts. Feel free to pause this, write these questions down, come back to them later, chip away at them. They can potentially be journal questions for you at a later date. They can be something you kind of ponder throughout a day. So first... And I mean, this this one like got me <laughs> immediately because I'd never really asked myself this, but insofar as I think about money all the time. First question, how real is money for you in your actual day to day? Like while I'm sitting in front of my computer, especially in service to clients or working or planning or writing, like I'm not I'm not putting my hand in my pocket or in my wallet or looking at my bank account and like counting the actual dollars. Even just that question in and of itself, how real is money to you in your actual day to day? This is kind of in the context of like being wealthy or having wealth consciousness. And oftentimes we would define wealth as having a certain amount of money. But as we all know, and, you know, the, as the, the sort of cliche goes, that some of the quote unquote poorest people tend to be the happiest, the most satisfied, a.k.a. the most wealthy in as little as they have. And so that's this idea of wealth consciousness is truly feeling wealthy regardless of your situation versus, and I know we all know this, we know plenty of fucking rich people who are constantly stressing out about money. Or, you know, people that have all these signifiers of wealth, a.k.a. the nice house or their, you know, the kids are at private school or they're taking the, the jet set holidays, but 
the reality is that their bank accounts are very low or what you might consider to be low. So what is your definition of wealthy? How are you cultivating wealth consciousness outside of an actual dollar amount? Kind of conversely or potentially totally in alignment with that first question, how are you energy? If we're going with this idea of how real is money, if money is just currency, if money is just a reflection or a value around the exchange of energy, what are you? How are we all one? Now, for some of you, that might sound super fucking woo, like, oh, we're all one. We should all be connected. But if we're all energy, if we're all just molecules vibrating at a certain frequency and these certain masses attracted and detracted and distracted from each other, yet all bumping around in the same experience, how are we all one? What's your concept behind that? How do you control the creation in your life? Where are you a creator? Where are you out of control? And the sense of where, where can you not create or potentially even where are you co-creating with others? What have you created and where do you want to create more? So you can see how this idea of energy and then of creation and then of your own individual creations can contribute to this concept of wealth consciousness. So I've spent a lot of time, especially this year, talking about time time being malleable, time being a construct, time being a matter of perception. Some people are always running out of time. Some people are constantly bored. It's like they have way too much time, but we're all in the same experience together, right? But here's a, the really fun one that I like just fucking with my own brain hole on. And this is the concept of almost like time traveling and like quantum leaping and so on and so forth. <laughs> what if right now is actually your future self simply remembering this moment? In the same way that you could be listening to this right now, possibly remembering the first podcast that you heard or the first time you heard me in a podcast, or maybe the first time you thought about creating your own podcast. So the past is only as real as you choose to recall it in this moment. And what if this moment is only a recollection from your future? <laughs> so in that instance, how can you create in this moment? What if this moment is your best moment and you are actually in full control of that? So with that, list experiences you regret. So these are your stories of the past or potentially experiences maybe in this present moment you wish were different. Here's where to go with that. If there's things you regret, if there's things that you wish were different, now write out the positive statement of how you will turn that around. So I will retire at 50 years old with 10 million in my bank account, or I will own my house outright and have financial freedom. And so all we're doing is, is playing with these narratives, is identifying our stories from the past or potentially our story in the present, then jumping into that future self where we've already solved all of this and just making the affirmation, talk to positivity, fucking woo, brew, <laughs> but like... Well, all we're doing is playing right now. All we're doing is practicing and just kind of identifying places where we'll get to this in the next book. We potentially might be holding ourselves back or limiting ourselves because our existing narrative isn't very creative. It isn't very expansive. It's actually very limiting. So with that, with this, this concept of jumping into the future and saying, well, I will have no debt in 10 years. I will not be working. I will have my own business in two years. 
write out this ideal day. So jumping to that future timeline, that future space where you have the wealth, the desired change, you've taken the action and you are living this ideal day. Draft it out. Get super specific. The more specific, the, the better. And I, I literally last night, not even knowing I was going to get to this podcast today, not even knowing until this moment, I was going to share this story with you. For anyone who's been paying attention, I have had a fucking roller coaster of a few months. Um, this is the end of 2022. I've basically said goodbye to my mother. I've been caretaking for her almost full time. She's got Lou Body's Parkinson's. If you know, you know, and she's mentally, spiritually, emotionally gone. There's a physical being still with us. I probably should have like trigger warning or something. Sorry, not sorry. And I, like, I am a fucking emotional roller coaster right now. Like, I am bursting into tears. I am laughing uncontrollably at the most inopportune times. <laughs> like, it looks like I'm losing my mind. And so last night, I forget, I was watching like Game of Thrones. If you've watched the new one and the the queen that was supposed to be queen, but because she was a woman, she didn't get to be queen. And then she like escapes and rides the dragon and like, like crashes through the floor. Like I burst into tears in that moment because I was just like <laughs> elated that like the has been dethroned queen like got her fucking own and let everybody live and blah 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 so just as like an example and so anywho i like pulled out i had this like flash of the avatar that i want to create and the the, the fucking queen i'm embodying and the dragon rider <laughs> I, I i am and i pull out my journal and i flip to a page and i see in October of 2021, the last time I did this exercise, like where I wrote out just pages and like super detailed, like the the style of earring I would be wearing and like, how, and, and like, it was me now. And it blew my fucking mind. Like it was kind of this ideal day, ideal character. Like it's literally me, even in like having some of the worst moments and, and also like some of the best moments of my life in the last few months. Like it's just been, it's just been fucking crazy. But this ideal day exercise, I know I've talked about this multiple times and in having done it, I have blinked my eyes and realized like, holy shit, I wrote this out a couple of years ago or, you know, less than a couple of years ago. So it's super, super powerful. And what I like about it is it's not hard to imagine what time you wake up in the morning. What is the bed going to look like? What, you know, like, and I, and I, when I've done this, like I haven't known what work I was going to be doing. Like I, I knew I was working by myself. I knew I was working in a home office. I knew I was engaging with people, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. That's okay. I did this exercise once with a client and they were their business owner, uh, successful, but struggling in that moment of, you know, I'm going to either need to invest a lot into my business and probably financially struggle, but grow, or I can continue to maintain the status quo, but growth feels very limited. And therefore my motivation, my inspiration is capped as well. And I mean, obviously neither of those two things are true. It's never a binary, right? It's the either, it's the both and. And going through this, they were just like, I am, I don't get out of bed. Like I'm just exhausted. And I was like, okay. So whatever you're doing, you're creating the space where you can stay in bed all day. That's interesting. That to me suggests you have a team that's running itself. So don't judge the vision. Get specific with it. Take yourself from waking up until going to sleep and just notice what does that day suggest about my particular situation? I'm getting into the weeds with it. I'm going to move on. So then the next prompt from Happy Pocket Full of Money is list the five shifts 
in regards to your wealth. So we talked about this a little bit in the third prompt in the sense of what would you like, what do you regret or what do you wish was different? So in that, like we're going to dig a little deeper. Uh, oh man, I've spent too many time, too much time with tech people. I was about to say like, we're going to double click. Um, don't just, nope, no way, BZ. We're going to, we're going to delve a little deeper. We're going to get curious. We're going into inquiry on this one. Just notice your negative attitudes around wealth and write out a positive reframe for it. I am, I will, so on and so forth. But this will help you to at least get closer to those potential blocks or limitations and just start playing with different ways of working with them, right? From here, you are going to list out goals. And this is kind of like the same exercise. So things that you desire to achieve, notice what comes up. I want 100 clients. Well, I've never gotten five. I want a million dollars. Well, I'm at 200,000. I want to quit my job. Well, you know, I've said that before and it went tits up. Like those are the things that you would like to change or you wish were different, right? <laughs> the regrets you might have. So it's it's like some of us are much more geared to the positive, big, expansive stuff. Some of us are much more geared to like the risk mitigation and the worst case scenarios. Both are incredibly useful. Okay, my friends, <laughs> just start with where you're at and then give yourself the opportunity to go go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Next prompt, describe how to be wealthy. This one I also found fascinating because we're all going to have different definitions. And I remember a mentor of mine once said, I don't want to make $100,000. I want to give away $100,000. Now, I've been struggling with some of my own regrets this year, which include 450-ish thousands of dollars in investments that I am walking away from. They've been energy leaks. They've been distracting. They have been, you know, there's been a lot of resentment, a lot of struggle, a lot of stress, a lot of just conversation over conversation, negotiation over negotiation, lawyer fees after lawyer letters. After blah, 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 blah. And I went, you know what? I'm done. I did my best. I did what I could with what I had in the moment. And here we are. Being wealthy means I can lose $450,000 and I'm still very happily living my life. Like that's fucking incredible to me. <laughs> Now, that is, I mean, I hope your definition of wealth is like not to lose ridiculous amounts of money. It's certainly not what not what I would have thought is mine either. And also, maybe your definition of being wealthy is like all the bills are on auto pay and I don't need to look at my bank account because I know there's always a ridiculous amount of money in there. Now, you might also in this moment think that that is incredibly frivolous and irresponsible. Interesting. Just get curious. So now we're going to kind of drill into that particular concept, right? So how to be wealthy. Describe in detail an achievement. So this is not dissimilar to like the ideal day exercise. Like think about something you have achieved. Remember when you got the hit of inspo to get it done. Then how did you take that idea, pull it out from the ether, ground it, create an action plan around it, execute on that plan and actually get through the end of the plan to the point of completion and it's done. And the kicker is you recognize the fact you fucking did it. So we do this to understand 
our plan for success, but to also like tune into that energy. I did this with the 70, the first time I did the 75 hard challenge, it was really interesting because I, I do very well in short sprints. I always say three weeks to three months. Like I can go pretty fucking hard. Abstinence is easier than moderation, all or nothing kind of person. I'm reworking on all of those little rules for myself. Just FYI, this is like kind of a past version of myself, but in like achieving 75 hard, right? Because 75 days, if you're not familiar, you can fucking Google it. I'm not going to get into it. But um, it's it's a 75-day challenge. It's somewhat self-prescribed. There's a few things you need to adhere to, but then there's a few things you you program for yourself. And I remember thinking like 75 was such a, a weird period of days. I was like, is that two months? Is that three months? Like, I mean, obviously I can do the math, but in my brain hole, my brain was like, does not compute. And so it felt like forever. It felt like, okay, I guess I'm, this is just how I live my life forever. And I felt the very distinct difference between a desire and a commitment. Like this is fucking happening. There's no like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to wake up early enough to, no, it's just getting done. Or like, oh shit, it's 11 o'clock at night and I haven't done what I needed to do. So I guess we're staying up a little bit later and finishing. It was really strange. But in that reflection of what is something you've achieved, it will feel different than something you want. And it's, it's subtle. And so that's what I thought, again, super profound. The author suggests this is the difference between reacting and creating. Is that nuanced, energetic flicker that goes, this is happening as opposed to this is something I'm considering. And you can see like, like we're moving in this actually like very, I don't want to say linear, but it's like a funnel to me. It feels like we're, we're going down the rabbit hole. So next prompt, list out areas in your life that feel super certain and then list three areas in your life that feel very uncertain. Describe how persistence you know, you've got your list of certainty. How did persistence contribute to that certainty? So with these uncertain elements, have a think about the doubt. What leads you to believe that they are uncertain? And then what would certainty feel like? How would it show up in those three instances? Lastly, how can you create an opportunity to at least explore one degree more of certainty? Oh, I should take this opportunity as well. Throughout this entire book, the author has the mantra, I am wealth, I am abundance, I am joy, constantly, like like at least once a page, if not twice a page. So, you know, there's something in that. I have an epic amount of notes. How long have I been talking for? Because I am only on page three. Okay, we're ha- wow, this, this is going to be a big one, guys. Okay, so next prompt, how have you helped others achieve growth? Ideally, what they might have experienced is massive growth. Did this help you? We'll actually circle back to this. So I think it's an interesting prompt. Next prompt, pretend your wealth already exists. Reframe that one. So in this moment, this is a little bit more of a challenging prompt. Take some time with this one. This one, yeah, I certainly, I spent, wow, I probably sat with this one for at least two weeks. But pretend your wealth already exists in this moment, as in, what if you could be completely satisfied with everything you have and you considered yourself wealthy? Where does the conditionality show up? So where do you go? Yeah, I'm wealthy, but 
or yeah, I mean, I know I have a lot more than a lot of other people accept. Notice each one of those spaces where you create a condition that is lacking to allow yourself to experience the wealth that you truly have. Where do you feel stress or nervous and where do you feel calm? Like those are kind of the like opposite ends of a particular spectrum. When you think about your own wealth, there will be places where you're like, yeah, actually I can accept I, I have wealth in this space and others where, where you create that conditionality and just notice like, what is the thing that feels like nervous or irritable or undeserved? What do you think about most often, especially when you find yourself in one of these spaces? So as an example, I am wealthy. <laughs> like, however, I use, just like so many of us, guilt and fear and uncertainty and doubt to motivate ourselves. It's literally how we've been programmed, especially in the United States. And so despite the fact that I am wealthy, I will look at my bank account and go, well, there's not enough money in there. Now, firstly, because I don't keep cash at bank. It's like a strategy of mine. And so it's just this like really interesting when I get really stressed, when I get tired, hungry, angry, lonely, you know, halt, I will default to these old strategies and tell myself, Myself, stories that are not true in this present moment to create a sense of tension to then yield action. But if I'm thinking about money from this place of I don't have enough, guess what I'm going to create more of? Not enough. When if I can take a step back and go, actually, this is your investment strategy. If you want more liquidity, if you want more cash at bank, that can be achieved. Look at your portfolio, manage your portfolio, schedule some time, blah, 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 right? This is an old story. Why am I telling myself that story? I want to generate income. Ah, okay. That's where might I feel like I've got conditionality. I don't know if that's a real world, by the way. I'm just kind of like rolling with it. Around like the my wealth. Is like, can I turn that money faucet on in this moment? And if I don't feel like I can, that's an exploration. Why am I limiting myself? Because of course I fucking can, right? This leads into the next prompt. How did failure teach you to succeed? Now, it's exactly what I was just referring to. More often than not, it's in that lack, in that story that I tell myself I don't have enough that I then go and create more. But <laughs> like doing it from a place of stress or struggle is going to give you subpar results because you're essentially creating from I'm reacting as opposed to creating or I'm creating from the space of fear, which ultimately I'm just creating more fear. So really reflect on how you allowed failure to teach you and how does that success, how did that gain support you and how can you build from that place of success? You know, if I can do this once, of course I can do this again. That is enoughness. That is confidence. That is not, I don't have enough. Oh, oh shit, I better do something about this. This kind of goes back to this concept of want versus desire. And this is this is echoed in every fucking positivity, self-development, woo AF, manifestation, brouhaha. Big difference between I need and I want and I desire. If you ask for want, if you ask for need, you will get more want and need. If you desire what you recognize is you have so much more room for expansion and you are continually and forever expanding. So please desire, don't need, don't want, because you will create more of what you're thinking about, the need and the want. Next prompt, purpose. Where in life do your activities lack purpose? We actually talk about this in the next book as well. 
if you've got a ton of fucking goals going on or things you're trying to achieve, or if you feel like you're juggling a million balls, they all roll up into something. Figure out what that something is. This is like Simon Sinek's your why. It makes the drudgery, the mundane, the admin and the struggle incredibly purposeful. And that's how I've certainly learned to tap into joy. While the last three months, while I've absolutely sacrificed financial security, mental and emotional and spiritual health, potential business income, it's so easy for me to beat myself up. And then I remember the whole reason I built my life the way it is, is to have freedom. And I choose to spend the last few months that my mother is cognitively aware of me with her. And whatever that costs, it's worth it. I will write that fucking check. And that's what gets me through the sleepless nights and the fights with my dad and the the psychological, like the breakdowns. Next prompt. How do you surprise yourself? Like, Where do you create spontaneity or how do you give yourself little gifts? One of my favorite little gifts is like I get to sleep in for 15 extra minutes. And so I set my alarm early and I actually like, yeah, I won't get into it because it makes me sound like an actual crazy person, but there might be some shenanigans that I play with setting my clock. And that feels like a luxurious present. I have some dark chocolate that I get to eat at the end of a meal. You know, as an adult, like gifts actually kind of become a little few fewer and further between. And especially if you're in a place where you might feel as if some of your monetary wealth is in desire, sometimes we feel like we, you know, gifting ourselves is limited. Challenge that. There are so many fucking free gifts we can give ourselves. How how are you doing that? How are you actually programming that into your day? Same with consciousness. How can you create more presence? Look, like we'll talk about this in the next book as well. Fucking meditation, whatever that looks like for you. If it's, if it's going for a walk, If it's staring at the wall, if it's actual meditation practice, but like the most successful, the most happy, the most peaceful, like whatever the fuck it is you're seeking, the people that exemplify that take five minutes to five days to five weeks out of their schedules and create space. And believe me, you, my friend, these people are way more successful than all of us combined. So they have, you know, these people are running multinational, multi-gajillion dollar conglomerates, and they still they still do this. So every single person I've ever talked to says, I can't meditate. Yeah, it's finding that space in your thoughts takes practice, which means you show up every day. You do a little bit. Start with two minutes. Get to five. Push it to seven. Then we're at 10. And like, just just fucking prove me wrong. Prove me wrong that this little practice of space, of exploring your own consciousness, of gaining an understanding of it doesn't benefit you. Ooh, this one was a really like also this this prompt hit me hard. I'm not I'm not going to offer any explanation. I'm just going to give it to you. You might want to sit down. Where do you feel owned? Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Next prompt. This one this one's actually like simple but kind of a doozy. Having now gone through everything that we have, we're nearly there with this particular book. Having thought through it all now, having it let all hit you, maybe you've brought it even into your body, really felt how these different prompts have affected you. If you were to go all in on one limitation, one fear, one conditionality, one one failure, one lesson, and to shift it, what is the one thing you would do each day? Next prompt. Where do you see competition in your experience? 
it's a simple way of saying, where do you experience scarcity? Because all competition suggests is they have something you can't. So have a little think about that. That's a fun one. Okay. We're through the first of, you know, six pages of notes. No big deal. But we're almost done with this book here. So the last thing I will leave you with from Happy Pocket Full of Money is the author's proclamation that money has two primary uses, exchange and experience. So exchange being our gifts. I give you this podcast. You give me your attention. There's an exchange going on there. I give you coaching. You give me money. There's an exchange going on there, right? And it's really just energy. Like you you somehow acquired that money, most likely through expenditure of energy. I am expending energy. You're reflecting the, your value of that. Experience is truly how we feel and live out our wealth. And so in the moment, how are you feeling? <laughs> So how, how do you experience wealth? Is it fearful, like greedy and hoarding and worried about losing it and worried about your investments and worried about your portfolio going down and worried about your business? Or is it generous? Is it freedom? Is it trust? How does money work for you in this regard? And then the author finishes with money loves you and you love money. Like I said, basically the title of the next book, but also just a fun little mantra. Money loves me. I love money money, love money, money loves you. Next book. Okay. So this book, this book's a little, you know, depending on where you sit on the woo spectrum, I would say this book is at maximum woo. It is from a woman who essentially channeled the energy of money. And so she asked in a period in her life when she was feeling particularly challenged around her experience with money, what does money want to tell me? And she just wrote, and if anyone's ever practiced free writing, um, morning pages, things where you just kind of let the pen go and it might start off like gibberish and then you start writing and then you get to the end of it and you read back what you've written and you kind of don't remember it. And she said what she wrote deeply moved and shocked her. And it sounded so fundamentally easy and obvious that she felt compelled to share. So in her experience, what she's done is channeled the collective energy of money to then share with the collective. And I felt like this book was the best book I've ever read on how to shift your energy around money. So if all of these prompts and all of these questions and you're like, I've done the work and I did your money workshop easy and I've done the energy around money and I listened to that podcast and like none of this fucking gets you like money talking at me where I was like, whoa, okay, money, I'm listening. I'm going to try and break this down in the same way that the author did. Again, this is just really a summary, not so much my opinions, but I just found these breakdowns and these they're not frameworks, but they're summaries of money to be super helpful. So first point that this particular author makes is you can't control money. Money is energy. I thought it was fascinating because then again, it, this is like the, this is like what I kind of do with these podcasts. I almost feel like I'm channeling these authors and I'm like channeling these books to you. It's not my opinion. I'm just like bringing, you know, I'm I'm receiving the information and then giving it to you. And so what she says next is money will save the world. When you pay for something, you create a contract that allows you to receive. So if you expand this to develop your creativity in service and in love, you create a fluid exchange. And I thought about it and it's like, it really, money will save the world. And as much as we vilify money or hate money or hate talking about money or the way that money makes us feel, and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Like we can also, I think from whatever background or trauma or upbringing you had recognized like it is money 
that will save the world because it will be the the development of some new technology or the investment in science or money that then allows the environmentalists to make the impact that they desire. Like that, I don't know, that kind of hit me like, whoa, okay. That's a pretty cool way of turning around the way that anybody might energetically feel around money. And with this idea that like the more you can give, the more you can receive, you're creating capacity. And that I feel like that goes back to like, how do you experience wealth? Is it something that you are generous with? Are you giving away $100,000? Or are you focused on hoarding that $100,000? So according to money, the blueprint for having more money, firstly, you're going to have to forget all that you have learned. You're going, secondly, open your heart to receive more without any idea how. And that's also just like a woo 101. You got to get rid of the how and the when. <laughs> like all you need to know is what you want, the desired end destination, and then just know you are going to get there. Third, do the work sincerely. And what I mean is, well, the way I interpret that, so this is the, the BZ interpretation, is whatever the fuck it is you're doing, make sure that you're doing it with this open heart. If you're doing it begrudgingly, if you're doing it resentfully, if you're quiet quitting, like it's not going to get you the thing that you want. It's what I was talking about before. If you're creating from a place of fear and lack, guess what you're creating? If you're like, I'm going to do these dishes like they are the fucking prized possessions and the next meal that I eat off these dishes is going to be even better because of the effort I put in in this moment. Or like, I'm going to do the dishes and that's my five minutes of meditation, bitches. Like two birds, one stone. Let's get this. Dream big. And it, it, this also, I think, reinforces that idea of like, if the universe is constantly expanding, guess what, my friend? So are you. And I've said this a million times. If it doesn't embarrass you or scare the shit out of you, go bigger. That's that desire that we're talking about. That's that constantly desiring more, perceiving the possibilities. Because if you're limitless, of course, there's always going to be more. And then, and this is, I think this is potentially the, the hard part. It was a, very hard for me as a lifelong pessimist. Choose to believe your dreams will come true. I was just listening to Stephen Pressfield and Tim Ferriss's second interview that they did together. And they talked about, fuck, I wanted to like actually get this quote ready for you guys. But of course, like bleh. absurdity and happiness. It was a Camus quote. Tim and Stephen were talking about like being delusional and, and how depression and anxiety... And even like, so Stephen Pressfield spent some time in a mental institution. If you listen to, he was one of the previous Quantum Business Book Club authors who wrote The War of Art and the Artist's Journey. Stop this episode and go read those two books or listen to those episodes because those two books, I read them every year. They're fucking phenomenal. Stephen Pressfield is a fucking legend. But he spent some time in a halfway home because he was broke like in his 20s, whatever. And he was like, you know, I feel like these people are actually the smartest people I've ever met. But being hyper-intelligent and having a very accurate gauge of reality is probably not going to make you very happy. Because <laughs> when you look at reality as it is, it has a lot to be desired. Now, you can either let that fucking destroy you and depress you, which is going to leave you feeling a certain way, or you can accept that is the way that things are. And also, I can hold a vision for the way things could and should be. And I'm going to choose to believe that I am walking one step closer to that vision in every single thing that I do, rather than watch fucking Fox News or CNN News or BBC News or Al Jazeera, whatever your newsfeed is, and want to kill yourself. So there is something to just simply choosing to believe. If you don't have enough now, know you will soon. 
love opens to receiving. You can afford everything you would love to have, but not always right now. And that's okay, my friend. It's the disappointment and the negativity that closes you down. Again, we've talked about this a million fucking times, but if you are putting limitations, if you're putting conditionalities, if you can't find the essence of what you sink, seek in your present moment, how will you fucking find it whenever you think you get there? And this is where like, and I know you know this, my friend, like you set a goal, you get it, you raise the bar, you don't take any time to celebrate it. And it just feels like it's a continually like the goal keeps getting further and further away from you. By opening to receiving, by finding some way of loving, you don't have to believe this, just pretend it. But every time you correct yourself or you deny yourself or you don't deserve yourself or you're not enough yourself, you put the skids on your momentum. Skids is probably like maybe not the best. (laughs) I've been dealing with a lot of poop in my experience, so I'm not going to get into that because I'm, it's not funny for me yet. <laughs> like when, uh, when it, when it's funny, I'll tell that story one day. So, I mean, I see this in so many of the wealthy people that are part of my experience, this concept of greed. You will stop the currency, the flow by hoarding, by not exchanging. And so again, the, the energy of money suggests that it is this exchange. It is this giving and receiving that creates flow quite literally. Like if you just hoard all of your money, there is no flow. It's like one of the reasons like we experience recessions is people get afraid and they start, they stop spending money and then there's no exchange. I know it's much more complicated than that, but just as an example, we'll get to the the security and the confidence. You can have both and you can have savings and you can also have expenditure, right? This goes to stuff and material items as well. I don't even remember where I heard this the other day, but they were talking about, oh, it was, it was on another Tim Ferriss podcast. I've been driving a lot. So Todd McFarlane was talking about useless and money in his bank, he was like, do you know what useless means? It's you have something that you don't use. That then makes it useless. If you have money in your bank and you are not using it, it is useless. If I have a bunch of stuff in my house and it is in storage or under the stairs or like I haven't looked at it or thought about it in a year, it is useless. So hoarding goes well beyond dollars in your pocket or under your mattress or wherever you might hoard it. It has to do with with stuff as well. And just notice where you might be stockpiling and holding on to things that are actually useless and preventing growth. I mean, energetically, I reached capacity. My cup wasn't empty. It was runneth over, (laughs) which meant I couldn't pour anything into the cup anymore, right? And so I just needed to take some space in myself, in my energy, and the ideas, the currency returned. So with financial commitments, just to think about like the desire, the love, and the enjoyment, the process of acquisition, what the energy of money with this author channels is you want to pay for things in, with their full value. It's not about debt or leveraging. It's about experiencing and appreciating. And so really feeling grateful for the exchange, the opportunity. Like I talk a lot about this with paying taxes. I am grateful for the opportunity to pay taxes because it means I made money. And I'm not going to get into government corruption and like blah, 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 all those conspiracies. But like you pay taxes on income. Theoretically, you're, you're paying it forward. Again, I know not necessarily true in the dynamics of it. But like, you know what happens? Well, you know what shifted when I started being grateful that I could pay my bills, that I started being grateful that I could pay taxes? I 
had more money. I got to pay even more taxes. <laughs> My bills got exponentially higher, but I always have the money to pay for them now. This encourages more exchange. So like as an example, like let's say you go to a business and it, It's not just that like I pay for my dinner, but I tip my waitress or waiter well. Like I always go above and beyond because I am grateful for that service. I appreciate that service. I can cook. I can cook a much better meal at home 9.9 times out of 10. I'm going to be taken care of. I'm going so I don't have to clean up. I'm going because I'm exhausted. I'm going because I'm looking for a certain vibe. And I'm going to demonstrate my appreciation for that. If I then go, maybe you don't have the money. Maybe you maybe you can't tip the waitress extra. Maybe you forgot to leave that tip, but then you leave a review or you tell people, you tell a couple of people, I just had the most incredible experience at this place. That person's going to go in there. You've now doubled their exchange and their gift in the, the exchange that you created. So you always have an opportunity to pay in full value. That doesn't have to be money. There can be so many different ways to show your appreciation, to show your gratitude, and to magnify the exchange. It's only when you pay what you truly value that you receive the value to pay for it. Again, according to the channel of money, the energy of money. And that was a little bit, you know, sit with that one, rewind it. I don't even know if I could like say that again. (laughs) And again, energy is like, look, dude, debt is perfectly fine. But know that you can pay that debt off. If you've got any resistance, any fear, think about that debt. Think about putting it on the credit card. Think about taking the loan out. Think about the leverage. It's not good or bad, but your energy will feel and tune you in to a certain exchange. So when you pull the card out, just know like you've got, you know, you pay your card every month or, or like you, you've got enough liquid, you've got enough in assets to cover your liabilities, whatever it is, like, however you can get to a place of just neutrality. You don't have to be like, I'm so excited about my student loan debt. That's not what I'm talking about. But what you can be like is I've got, I've got X amount of dollars in student loan debt. I'm earning Y amount of dollars through my various projects. And it looks like I have Z amount of years until that gets paid off. Okay. So in in terms of debt, the way that the energy of money defines debt is you receive an injection of energy prior to your energy matching it. I thought that was really interesting as well because, side note, debt is actually how we create money. So I loan you 100 bucks, but I want you to give me 110 bucks back. We just created 10 extra dollars. Well, that's a very simplistic example. But if you think about banks, they are literally putting more money into currency every time they loan you money because your you know your $500,000 home is going to cost $700,000 over 30 years to pay it back you've now just added $200,000 into currency so debt is actually like a very powerful way of expanding money you bought a $500,000 home that's probably going to be worth that's in 30 years twice that so you know not only did you expend something but you were going to receive double that value So use debt to speed up an achievement of a specific goal, but restore balance with the plan. And that's what I thought was so profound about this particular point. Balance is the reward. It's not paying off the debt or not even having debt. You've heard me say a million times, I believe in debt. I leverage debt. Like I would much rather spend somebody else's money than my own. That's a very simplistic way of putting debt, but because like it's in that belief and that experience, because I've experienced this for two decades now, it feels neutral and that's what you're going for. So of course I use debt to speed up 
my businesses, to speed up my success, to speed up my ability to acquire assets that I can then leverage for cash flow. So when you can change your attitude and be fearless in your debt, then it truly does speed things up. If you decide to love repaying your debts sincerely, you will speed them up. Have a plan and make it reasonable and actionable. Don't say you're going to you know, pay off your student loan debts in one year. That's going to leave you feeling crazy. Now, I know some people that are amazing at living on it. You know, I know people that travel six months out of the year and they do that because they live like a fucking college student for six months out of the year. You know, they and their partner and their dog live in a, in a studio apartment and live off of like cheese and bean burritos for six months because then they can go and live in Bali in a palatial palace for six months. No, the money is on the way. And that's what this choosing to believe, choose to believe like you're paying this debt off. You don't need to know how and when. Just know that you're doing it. And with every day, more money is coming towards you. And be clear every single time you make a payment, how fucking excited you are. And like, I have a default reaction to seeing the debt numbers. And then I do the profit first thing. So on the 10th and the 25th is when I do the cash flow in my businesses. And I tell you what, I feel fucking awesome on the days that I pay out all of my outgoings. It's totally possible. I had another story that I wanted to tell you, but I can't remember it. So I'm sure I'll just bring it up in some like weird moment in this. So you're welcome. Okay, we're, we're nearly there, my friends. So just some other ways of like really, you know, this is the energy of money here. But spending is the exchange of energy. Oh, I really liked this one. So how do you know when you get to buy it? Because self-value plus object value equals the price tag. What does that mean, my friend? That it is your self-value that determines the value of an exchange. The more valuable you perceive yourself, the more willing you are going to be to buy something quote-unquote expensive. The more you will be willing to charge a price that is quote-unquote expensive. Money is not limited, and your job is to create and enjoy at all times. So even if you're doing something you th- you didn't want to do in the past, even if you're engaging in something that feels very hard and very uncertain or is an activity that you really, really struggled with in the past, when you can find some level of joy in that, you create more. And that's where this like self-value, like all of this stuff really starts to layer onto each other. What is more? Desire. You want more? Then you desire by creating more, not from lack, but from recognition of the simple desire, that is your success. So the bigger vision, the more success, the more success, the more desire, the more desire, the more you get to create. And this is just simply from going, oh my gosh, I want more. I desire more. I'm going to create more. I can create anything I desire because I am limitless. Money is limitless. That is my job. My job is to create and enjoy the process of creating. If we lack value in ourselves, this will fall over on its face because we will inherently not believe that we deserve the thing. So in asking for more money, the money isn't moral. Like money isn't ethical. Money is just zeros and ones. Money is just a tool. It's paper or plastic or for the most part, it's it's like make-believe at this point. It's just numbers on a screen. So this has nothing to do with your own value or your own worth or your own deserving. This is a simple exchange. 
And if the universe is constantly expanding, look at fucking up. It is actual physics, proven fact. We can all agree on that, whatever the on the side of the science or spectrum that you're on. That means you were always expanding. Therefore, you should desire more. <laughs> Your desire will be forever increasing. There is no limit. You have no limit. Your dreams have no limit. Your desires have no limit. You get to keep growing. And just simply be curious. When we when we feel like we can't charge what we want, when we feel like we're not making what we want, and when we feel like something is too expensive for us, we can't afford it, all of that comes back to self-worth and self-value. And what I love to play with right now, someone just asked me if I was buying a bunch of NFTs. And I just said, NFTs aren't a priority for me in this moment. I've got a different plan. I'm I'm working on my next property investments. And they were like shocked to hear me say that. And it's, you know, an older version of myself would have said, I can't afford, but that's not true. That's not true at all. I absolutely could. I just, that's not where I'm investing my money right now. So what do I do? What's, what's the, how do I get there? So first step, start with your vision. Again, dream big, embarrassingly big, ashamedly big, create this space to do this. It's kind of like getting organized or being like productive or whatever. You actually have to like schedule in time to schedule. (laughs) Like you also need to schedule in time to dream big. And, you know, this can be at night before you go to sleep. Just imagine having the perfect day. Imagine where you're going to be the next year and don't like, like wish it. Imagine it's already done. Imagine you're calling me up and telling me, about how you listen to this podcast and you did everything you fucking we talked about in it and like you achieved everything you'd ever desired and you you have all of the pieces of evidence that you thought were not possible and it happened so much faster than you could have imagined and that's and you're just like thanks BZ I'm gonna write you a Google review you're a rock star <laughs> like maybe that is the Google review I don't know but be ridiculous go crazy and this is another thing I think is actually really useful I've been doing this recently in terms of writing I've been doing pitch decks and getting investors on board and trying to get together a whole bunch of fucking money. And if you're, I don't know when you're listening to this, but right now, like the stock markets crash, cryptos crash, businesses are shutting down, people are declaring bankruptcy. Like, so for me to be like, I'm going to make a bunch of money, some might call crazy. But what I'm doing is, is in this dreaming big, I'm like, I was, I was explaining this to a client the other day. I was like, okay, so Oprah calls me up. She's retiring. She wants me to be her talk show host. She wants me to do it in a metaverse. I'm using the metaverse platform that I've been building and it's an NFT gated community. And I've got this entire school and this platform and I've partnered with Seth Godin and his alt MBA and we're doing this in real time. And Tim Ferriss is disappointed because he wanted to do my interview, but Oprah got to me first and he's got this weird thing with Oprah. I can't really get into that, but we'll meet on my private island that I have. And Richard Branson was going to be there because he lives next door anyway. And he's always he loves Tim and they want to hang out like I don't even want that shit. But start like go fucking wild. And then you can be like, I mean, metaverse sounds cool. School platform sounds cool. I build metaverses, by the way, now. Shameless plug. So like let your imagination truly run fucking wild. It's like when people tell you to brainstorm and there's no bad ideas like, like do that, like go there, like go nuts, go crazy. Then enjoy Find the joy, enjoyment, make it joyful, let the work flow. So you do this big fucking visioning, crazy dreaming exercise, and then you like, you know, fold your laundry. <laughs> like You do the like five hours straight of like picking the kid up, dropping the kid off, picking the sibling up, dropping this, grabbing the other one, they fight in the car, blah, 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 you know, like find the joy 
in that dream in every action that you undertake, or at least most of them, you know, if you're here 51% of the time, you're doing all right. Expand. So you're visioning, you're enjoying, and you're growing. You're saying yes to opportunities. As soon as you start engaging in this, like crazy shit's going to shoot across your bow. Like things that you didn't plan on. It's like me being in Miami two weeks ago. I had no idea that was going to happen. How did that happen? I said yes to an opportunity. How did that opportunity happen? I said yes to something else. How did that one shoot across my bow? I asked for some help. When you're looking for big fucking quantum leaf tectonic shifts, everything changes. Say yes. You can say no later. Like, believe me, you, my friend, you can be like, you know, I know I said, yeah, I was going to be able to do that. But two weeks into it, I'm realizing like, I really don't have the capacity. Here's some other resources for you. Like, I got to go. But start saying yes. That is the simplest, most immediate way to expand and grow and, and create new opportunity. And then finally, so ask for help. I didn't even, it's funny. I didn't know that that's actually where I was going. Ask for help. Open to guidance, whether it's an idea popping into your head or someone showing up in your experience that you haven't thought about, or, you know, I mean, we've all been there where you're like, wow, I really wish I could get a massage right now. And then your friend's like, I just went to massage school for something to do. I need people to practice on. You're like, whoa, that's weird. I look at that as actual evidence. That's what I thought I wrote instead of guidance. That's how great my handwriting is. Like when those things start happening and I, like the like those kismet synchronicities that show up in your day, I'm like, ooh, I'm on the right path. Never worry about the how. Just take some action. Again, thinking about that enjoyment and go for it. So, okay, nearly there, nearly there. I just want to give you some of the scripts from the energy of money, from channeling money. So in terms of requesting money, Money says, we hear you, but you've got to be clear. The more you ask, the less clear it is. So some examples on a particular date, I'm going to buy a particular item. So like on January 1st, I am going to buy touring skis. Another script, quote, I fell in love with the red coat and I will own it by the end of the month, end quote. And that's it. Like, what money says is put in your order. Like you wouldn't go to a restaurant and and the waitress takes your order and then she comes back to the table and you're like, I would like to order another veggie burger, please. And they're like, yeah, I know you, you just ordered it. And you're like, okay, great. And then they come back and they're like, does anybody need drink refills? How are you going? And you're like, I would like a veggie burger. I would like that veggie burger with cheese and mayonnaise though, and maybe some lettuce and tomatoes, but not on a sesame bun. They're like, okay, well, you've, you've ordered it twice now and, and now you've just added more. Like, I guess I'll go back to the kitchen and update your order. It, it might, you know, and then they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to kind of adjust it. And you're like, I actually want the salad now. I want a salad and the veggie burger. And they're like, well, uh, okay, we'll get the salad then. And now they kind of think you're like kind of a weirdo and a little bit of a spaz. It's not that dissimilar with the things that you desire as well. <laughs> like put in the order and trust. That's it. That's good. Like I was saying before, if you've got a lot of orders, roll it up. Like call the restaurant in advance and be like, hey, my family of 15 and I are coming to dinner. My aunt's a little bit crazy. She's probably going to want like a bunch of different things, but like ultimately I just want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to be taken care of. We want a birthday cake and they might suggest like a prefix meal. I'm getting a little away with myself in this analogy. So I'm going to get back to my notes. <laughs> the point being, the more you relax, the easier it is for your order to show up. And as an example, make your order and then distract yourself. Start doing some stuff that feels the way you want to feel when that order shows up. Here are the biggest blocks, according to money. You don't see any options or your request is vague. So as an example, I want to make a million dollars, but 
I'm currently making minimum wage and I don't even know what a million dollars would do for me. I have no idea what I would do when I got a million dollars. I mean, pretty obvious, but write down your order and then just simply forget about it. Know that you will get that amount of money. You don't need to know how or when. So as an example, I will get an item in a month or I will get X amount of dollars in a month. It's interesting. I did notice that they were like specific on dates. Like I will get a new car on the 1st of December. It was more like I will get a new car or I will get $15,000 to buy a used car by the end of next year. So just a little something I noticed. You request the order and then you doubt it. (laughs) So you put the order in and then you think, except for like, there's no way I could get, I don't know, 10,000 people on Instagram because I don't look like a 20-year-old travel influencer. Every time you doubt yourself, you dilute your request. So instead, just simply observe the excuses or the caveats or the conditionalities, the limitations you put, and challenge those. That will take a practice. The the money suggests this is the hardest, is saying, I want this, but I don't actually think I can have it. You will need to work at that doubt. Lastly, expect overwhelm. So once you put in this request, it will be delivered. And oftentimes we say, well, we want more money. So then you start getting a lot more work opportunities or you start getting people asking more of you or you start getting more invitations and it feels overwhelming and it feels like a struggle as we expand. And I've talked about this probably in every single freaking episode I've put out. It feels scary because suddenly we're on this whole new level and there's so much more room for activities and we don't necessarily have the skills. I was talking about this with a friend this morning who's starting a new business and she said her mentor was like, I'm sorry, what are you doing? She was like, wow, this is what her mentor said to my friend. You are underqualified and charging a premium amount. Don't tell anybody. And I was like, that's how everything starts. (laughs) Like, Of course, you're going to be underqualified as when you make a big financial leap in terms of remuneration or charges like you have you did grow into that space. And the only way that you do that is when you get the opportunity and you make the exchange. It's like we were just talking about with debt, like debt is saying energetically, like I'm expecting something without being energetically able to match it guess how you get energetically able to match it. You fucking figure it out and you deliver. So just notice in that experience, where are you trying to control or where are you complaining? Find solutions instead of blocking the opportunities that are coming your way. And just remind yourself that being uncomfortable is a good sign. It's why we call them growing pains. So we talked a little bit already about the advice. If you've got multiple goals and or deadlines, roll them up into one. You know, I'm trying to create financial security and freedom for my family. So then there might be 18 different things that I I need X amount of clients and I need Y amounts of income streams and I need Z amount of dollars and I have debt that I want to pay off, so on and so forth. They all roll up. Focus on, so when you're focused, this is why it's important to roll it all up to something. What money suggests is that with this focus, your ideas that pop into your head will support that. A lot of us and a lot of entrepreneurs are amazing at ideas. But when we're unfocused, when we're unclear, the ideas can actually be distractions. I can't tell you how much time I'm invested in talking to people who have a thousand hundred million ideas but they're unclear on what the final destination is. And so a lot of their ideas are going to end up being resource wasters because 
they aren't focused. And so that's where it's like this dream big, this vision, that is your focus. And once you've got clarity on that, even if it's just a feeling, even if it's just that ideal day, you don't have to know the specifics, but understanding how you're going to feel and what it's going to look like will give your consciousness will give this currency, will give this flow some direction. And then the ideas will, for the most part, be supportive and can also be like captured and just set aside for when the time is right. Something that I think we all ask is like, well, what about like weekends? And what about off time? And what about relaxation? From the perspective of money, there is no non-action time. Because when we're clear on what we're doing, everything is contributing to it. Sleeping recharges you. Exercising recharges you. Connecting with friends and family, reading a book, going for a walk, meditating, having a night out, getting a little loose, like all of that actually feeds this vision and this dream. And so you don't have to worry about taking time off because from the perspective of money, there is no time off. When you're on, you are on all of the time. Okay, here we go again. The simplest way to succeed at this process is to meditate, relax. Go with the flow. Sounds so simple, but I mean, myself included, I've never met someone that didn't say like, actually, no, I lie. My partner, like the first time we sat down and meditated, that motherfucker went through like a 90 minute journey, shamanic experience. And I was just like, I'm sorry, what? So yeah, he figured it out. But most other people I know pretty struggle with it. If you do feel stuck, here's how to get unstuck. Help someone else. Do new things. Enjoy whatever the fuck it is you're doing right now and simply say yes. That's it. Pretty simple. It's funny. This book goes on into like money management and business management and alignment and blah, blah, blah. And like everything after that is basically just reinforcing everything we've talked about. Take the time to learn each one of these points and practice them. Do not skip to the next step until you feel like you have concluded the existing step. And yeah, how do you want money to show up? How do you want to turn on that money tap, that money flow, the currency? Stop worrying about money. That is the way to create the most amount of money in the fastest amount of time in your experience. Ask for more money, create a plan, and then execute on it. And again, me going for a a bike ride or me sitting and meditating for 45 minutes probably doesn't feel like I'm taking action on making money. However, I'm creating the space. I'm creating the joy. I'm taking action. And everything that I do is bringing my vision into my experience. Oh, okay. Last thing I wanted to talk about with this. So in terms of saving money and not like in hoarding or greed, confidence is a beautiful place to create and exchange from. Again, that self-value plus the object's value or the desire's value equals the price. That's confidence. Most of us need some money at the bank or some money to feel secure. Like we need to know that we can like pay our bills, right? And so that there's a difference between hoarding out of fear and hoarding out of security. And tune into that. Play with it. See, how low can you get your bank account before you freak out? How much feels like enough that you can actually make an investment that you're like, meh, if I lost this, I'd be okay. In business, when you align your business actions to everything that we've talked about, like this is not separate. There's no different rules in business. And that's it. That's all I got. Where did we, I don't, I'm actually curious now, where did we end up? 
Um, I feel like my uh, outros are like very fucking abrupt, <laughs> but I've been talking for a very, very long time. If you are still with me, my friend, I absolutely adore you. And okay, this is the end of year two for You Know Everything, end of year one for the Quantum Business Book Club, end of the craziest, craziest year of expansion that I have experienced in my life. And I've like done some pretty amazing things. I am eternally and exponentially grateful for you being here, especially at the end of an hour and 15 minutes. I literally do this for you. I would not be here without you. Your support, your sharing this episode, your reviews, your everything is quite literally my lifeblood and the exchange. So if you've ever wondered (laughs) what you can do to truly honor this exchange, share it, rate it, review it. Send me questions, send me feedback, get into the Discord container. The link will be in the show notes. That's where we will be doing the Quantum Business Book Club moving forward. It will be live. You will be in a container with a bunch of amazing creators and entrepreneurs and builders and believers. It is a very chill, very safe space to connect and grow from. And I just can't wait to hear from you, to learn more about you, to learn what we can co-create together so that I can support you and and make episodes that are much more relevant to where you're at right now. So with that, happy holidays, happy new year, happy almost all of the planets going direct in two weeks when when you're listening to this. And yeah, let's, let's keep this wild space traveling, rock hurtling through the cosmos ride going. I wouldn't be here without you and I wouldn't do it any other way. I love you. 